Hey, how's it going, everybody? I'm Tim Muma, and you've ordered up scrambled eggs for today. Scrambled eggs is a hodgepodge, more lighthearted approach to the employment realm, focusing a little less on issues with employers or employees, and instead looking outside the box to help you in the workplace. The topic on the menu today, creativity and its critical role. Now, this episode is actually part two of our visit with expert Amy Clymer, owner of Clymer Consulting. If you missed the first half of our discussion, please head over to localjobnetwork.com and click on the radio tab near the top of your screen. There you can listen to Creativity is Critical, part one. For now, we continue to get some unique insight on creativity with Amy Clymer. Because you mentioned the idea that, you know, you're not sure employers are ready for you know, random nap kind of thing, uh, although it might work. And at some point, 20 years ago, like right now at our office, we have a ping pong table and foosball. That, that didn't happen 20 years mm-hmm. ago. So in 20 years, maybe that'll be more common. But in terms of the environment and the idea of creativity, um, you know, individually and as a whole, obviously, I guess, what what do you notice maybe when you've, when you've been at certain employers, certain companies that does really kind of stunt that growth? Um, limit the creative process a little bit? Because, I mean, I think everybody wants to be creative in a certain way, but what are those limitations that end up getting put on people? I think you're right in that everyone, most people want to be creative and most employers want their employees to be creative. Companies and leaders often accidentally do things that impede creativity. One of those things is micromanaging Mm -hmm. and giving employees autonomy can really free them up to be more creative. Now, autonomy with a shared goal. So not sure. just like, oh yeah, do whatever you want. We'll see you, in, <laughs> you know, see you on Friday. Uh, but hey, here's our mission. Here's our focus. Here's generally what we want you to do. Go to it. Mm-hmm. And you know, with some guidance, of course. But that autonomy can be really valuable. I think another important component in work is like having some alone time and being able to work quietly by yourself, but then at the same time being able to work with colleagues and bounce around ideas. And so if you're in meetings all day, all the time, it's going to be really tough to be creative. Because for one thing, you get back to your desk for some, you know, some more quiet time and you got you know, 50 right. emails you got to deal with, so yeah. you got to get through all that. <laughs> um, so trying to figure out how do we balance that group time and private time uh, to let, let people be creative. Sure. Um, and then I think, I mentioned this earlier, but the competition. And then if you have a really competitive environment, it's going to actually decrease creativity. Mm-hmm. And the more collaborative you can make it, the better. And for some, you know, in that various person to person, some people like a little bit of a competition. But there's a point where it's going to impact, you know, prevent them from working with other people. Right. And a lot of things you mentioned, you know, it's very, it's kind of philosophical in, in, in a way. And, you know, again, getting to the kind of mental versus physical aspects of it. I mean, aren't there also physical things about an office, whether, I mean, it, and I'm just throwing these out there, lighting or proximity to people, that kind of thing that can also affect you negatively or positively in a way? Sure. What those specifics are could really vary from person to person. Mm-hmm. Like, for instance, some people love having background music in their office. Some people want it to be really quiet. Um, and so what would be ideal is for people to have some control over that. Right. And the company IDEO is a company out in California, and they're basically designers, inventors. They're highly creative. They come up with all these amazing products. And <laughs> one of the things the owner said is, he said, yeah, we were building this our, our new space, and our employees said, we have to have an airplane hanging from the ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> And he's like, really? You have to have that? And they said, yes, absolutely. <laughs> so they have an airplane hanging from the ceiling. <laughs> um, now, obviously, you know, 
maybe there's some budget issues there for some <laughs> folks. But, you know, letting employees have some control over the space can be really valuable. Well, it's interesting you bring that up because in some of the other shows we've done in terms of stress and burnout and that kind of stuff, the idea is that a lack of control is is one of the biggest things that, that comes into that. Um, in terms of that and the creative side, is there a way for you to be able to articulate how that impacts someone? Because like you said, you know, if, if everything's laid out for you, you could still be creative in a way, but there's something about being given that freedom. I mean, is there a way to maybe kind of illustrate verbally, of course, uh, how, how that would work or how that impacts someone? I mean, just kind of that the lack of control and mm-hmm. feeling a little bit like, well, I, you know, I would love to do this, but I've been kind of funneled into this one area. My guess is that employers that have a lot of control or feel like they need to control their employees are assuming that their employees aren't motivated on their own to do their job. Mm -hmm. And so it's really this difference between intrinsic motivation, where we're motivated internally, or extrinsic motivation, where we're motivated from some reward, like, you know, the carrot stick approach. And what would be ideal is if employees, employers could you know, all employees were set up to be intrinsically motivated. And I think we naturally are, mm-hmm. but we get into a situation where we're controlled so much that we lose that that uh, internal motivation. And Daniel Pink, in his book, Drive, he talks a lot about that. And there's three factors that increase motivation. And one of them is autonomy and having that ability to control our own environment. And I just think of, you know, companies where the job is from eight to five and you show up at eight, 810 and you get in trouble Mm -hmm. and there are certain jobs where that would be critical but for a lot of jobs i feel like really 810 (laughs) what difference does it make i'll leave at 510 or 530 right right you know um and so when there's that situation of like counting hours so in such minute detail that's going to decrease i think decrease intrinsic motivation Mm -hmm. with that kind of in mind then in terms of this balance of the employer and what they're looking for and this idea of creativity. In your mind, how important really should creativity be in terms of the bottom line or how important can that be in terms of the bottom line? And again, we're looking at this actually as a benefit to the employer. What's the connection there between, you know, allowing people to be creative and that actually improving and helping the bottom line for an employer? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. I think you know, to some degree, maybe it would vary industry to industry. But one story I can share um, is the company W.L. Gore and Associates that makes Gore-Tex fabric. They have this uh, practice where their employees get, like, I can't remember if it's either 10 or 20 percent free time, basically, each week. Okay. Where So basically, four to eight hours a week, they get to work on anything they want. So there's a story where a few of the few of the folks that worked there uh, got together and they were working on how could we make better guitar strings. And Gore had already created some bike cables, like derailleur and brake cables that were more efficient, that glided better. And so they were trying to use that technology on bike on uh, guitar strings. So anyway, they're just like goofing around on this for a couple of years. And finally, they get to the point where like, all right, let's share this with our employer. Mm-hmm. And so they show it to the employer and they're like, oh, you know, they decide, all right, let's move forward with this and let's actually make this a product. So they released it out on the market. It became the number one selling guitar string in the country. Really? And no one told them, hey, let's, you know, you guys go work on guitar strings. Right. They just had, and my guess is 
W.L. Gore, like the company, never thought of that. But <laughs> it came from these employees who were so motivated and excited about it, and they were given the autonomy and freedom to work on it. Sure. So I think I think the creativity and the opportunity to be creative can have a big impact on the bottom line. Right, definitely. And it's funny you say that, though, because then you – different things maybe you read or you talk with people and you ask, well, why – why is there sometimes this environment that, you know, limits creativity or there is kind of the micromanaging? And and I think everyone gets it to a certain extent. If you own something, if you run something, you want to make sure it's done the way you want. But um, some of the things that come up, and I just want to kind of get have you give your thought on it. You know, some companies or employers, in terms of creativity and really letting people go, so to speak, that they kind of see it as, ah, it's a little silly, a little goofy, a little too loose. What would your kind of response be to that? Or why maybe they're a little misguided with their thinking. I mean, obviously, yes, it could get goofy, I guess, but maybe it would be helpful, depending on where you're at, I suppose. Yeah, and I think creativity, the process itself, could be kind of messy. Yeah. And some people aren't comfortable with that. Mm -hmm. And so I think part of that is figuring out, all right, how do I get comfortable with this ambiguity and this messiness in the middle of it? And, you know, when I came into your office this morning and I saw the, the ping pong tables, I was thinking, you know, great ideas could probably come up over a game of ping pong. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, it's like, all right, we're coming up with new radio shows. <laughs> Why do we have to be sitting at our desk, you know? Sure. Or, or you go out for a walk around the town. Yeah, it, I don't know. It's messy. And mm-hmm. I think uh, it's just a matter of, like, being willing to let go of that a little bit. How about then the idea that, and you see this all across, you know, every walk of life in some capacity probably, but an idea, you know, there's kind of complacency or hey, everything's been fine the way we've been doing it for 10, 20 years, our business is successful. How do you maybe push past that to bring in something different? I mean, just maybe as far as what what you've talked to to companies about, employers about, um, even just individual people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've definitely worked with organizations where, you know, I've, I can remember this one organization I worked for where you'd bring up an idea and somebody at the table would say, you know, we tried that in 1984 <laughs> and it didn't work then. Right. <laughs> it's like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, so I think part of it is really looking at the culture and, and well, I think first looking at the goals. Is, our, is the goal of our organization to stay the same and right. just to keep plugging along? And if that's the case, then, hey, I mean – that's fine. Right. No one's saying you have to be creative. <laughs> but if the goal of your organization is to move forward and to change and respond to what's happening in the world, then I think it's important to figure out how do we how do we make space for that change? And if somebody's saying, hey, we already tried that a few years ago and it didn't work, what's going on? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe there's some fear of failure that's happen- that's coming up there and maybe the organization doesn't have a, a good setup for failure or maybe people are overworked and they're like, you know what, I just can't put time into something that I think won't work. And so how do you set up, you know, set up the environment and not the physical environment but the culture right. to allow for that? So then when you run into an organization like that or, or maybe they just, you know, they have called you in because – it's the direction they want to go. They want to bring about more ideas, better ideas, move forward, um, you know, that kind of thing. In terms of helping make the environment that way or the culture, as you said, that way, what are some of the things that you focus on then? Um, you know, and I just uh, jotted down some things that I had seen from you as far as um, team building or project-based type stuff. Maybe kind of help us, you know, get kind of get into your mind a little bit as far as what you do with that and how you can help organizations and and different companies with that sort of thing? 
So I think that the the culture has a huge impact on creativity. And so that would be the first thing I'd want to examine and look at. And, and I think the basis of creativity and being creative with other people is trust and that you have to be able to trust other people, even just as basic as if I throw an idea out, I trust that you're not going to slam it down right away. Mm-hmm. And instead, let's build on it and work together. And hey, maybe it's a bad idea, but that's okay. Let's We can still talk through it. Sure. So if there's not that trust, I don't know that you're going to get too far. And so that would be the first step is looking at how do we create a more trusting space. And another component of that is conflict and that you actually need conflict in organizations in order to be more creative. But it needs to be conflict based on ideas, not conflicts based on personalities. And so I think it's actually a a fairly functioning team that Mm -hmm. can have that type of conflict without making it personal. Sure. And so that's a piece of that team building that I often do where I could set up uh, activities that basically incite conflict and then we have this opportunity to examine, okay, how'd you handle this conflict? Mm-hmm. Um, and then look at, okay, how can you handle it better next time? And how can we make it get rid of that personal component? I mean, <laughs> not, I mean, you want that personal piece, but right, you don't want right. it to be about like, oh, well, the way you said this or. Well, and, and that, well, that was, a, I was going to ask, because even if, if the conflict is of the ideas, I mean, because as you said earlier, you know, we're all human, so we're going to have our own thoughts and we're going to react in different ways. So I guess how do you ensure that the, the idea conflict, even when you're doing these t- team building activities, that the idea stays the, the focus as opposed to, you know, maybe two people do have an issue with each other or, or their personalities just don't mesh, whatever. How do you how do you ensure that that's not going to become the case or at least help them separate the two? I don't I don't know if you have any advice in that way or, or tips that you give out um, just, just to avoid that from happening. Mm-hmm. I think one thing can actually be to teach people how to be good group members. Mm-hmm. And by good, I don't mean, uh, I think that can sound like, you know, being good in school where you sit quietly in your row and you right. follow directions. <laughs> Certainly not like that, but being a productive, helpful group member. And one of those tips is to presume positive intentions. And when people throw something out there and you don't like it and you disagree with it or you think they're a jerk, you know, 99% of the time they mean well. Sure. And so how do you, when you're hearing that, keeping that in mind, okay, I know they mean well, listen to it in that vein, in mm-hmm. that way. And also it's the way we respond to that person. So let's say someone throws an idea out and our, our initial um, answer is yes that's going to be really different than if our initial answer is no. And mm-hmm. so we can actually train ourselves to say yes and say, yeah, tell me more about that. Sure. As opposed to like, no, that's not going to work. Because that's if you say no, that's the end of the conversation. But if you say yes, it doesn't mean you're like saying, yeah, let's move forward and let's spend a million dollars on this, but let's keep talking about it. And so some of the training that I've done is about teaching group members how to presume positive intentions and how to say yes uh, in those situations where – Maybe they wouldn't because they didn't like somebody. I think another piece of that is actually getting to know colleagues on a personal level. And I think sometimes, uh, at least in the U.S., we have this this idea that we should keep work and personal life totally separate. Mm -hmm. And in some cases, you know, that makes sense. But I think there needs to be some getting to know other people on a personal level. And when you do and you understand, like, this is their background, this is where where they're from – it helps you understand them better in that moment and helps you presume positive intentions more. Right. I, I agree with you. I think that is a, 
an undervalued part, so to speak. And I think people are a little probably worried about the balance, um, especially, you know, with social media and Facebook, you feel yeah. if I let them too, too much into my life, they're going to know everything. Um, but I, I do think that's, that's an interesting aspect of it. In terms of when, if you would talk to an employer, a company, organization of any kind, and um, aside from bottom line productivity, what would you say are the benefits that'll come about for that organization, whether it be for the employers or the employees, um, just maybe some of those intangible things or things that aren't necessarily the goal of a business, but you know, research studies, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff show that it's, it's positive, it's good for the workplace. I think if you have an environment where people are able to be creative, you also have an environment where people are able to be themselves and to to do their best work. I think those kind of those go hand in hand. Mm. And so, you know, if people are doing their best work, no matter what, that that's a good thing for the for the workplace. Um, and you know, when I when I was saying the bottom line earlier, I was talking about kind of money, the financial bottom line. But I think the bottom line can be much broader than that. Let's say you're a school. Your bottom line is the uh, education of the kids in the school. Mm. And so um, I think the creativity can impact all those things, whatever your bottom line is. I think it impacts employees' happiness. It impacts employees' motivation. Um, it impacts you know how they interact with each other and how much they care about coming to work mm-hmm. and how much, how much they want to be there. And just to kind of wrap things up, um, we are getting low on time, although we've spent uh, – We've gotten a lot of information here, and that's that's why I wanted us to keep going because I uh, <laughs> I didn't want to stop you. If that's for sure, a hypothetical situation. Obviously, say you're sitting down with a group, an organization that includes you know the leaders as well as you know whether it could be employees or students. Um, what what is just that biggest best piece of advice you could give them in terms of creativity and its its true role? in their lives and particularly, you know, in the workplace setting that we've been talking about? It's it's really hard to come up with one thing. I'm sure it is. <laughs> I'm sure it is. <laughs> oh, the first thing, so I don't know, when I'm thinking about this, I think of, again, looking at the culture, what's going on in that organization and really trying to examine it and maybe examine it from a different lens. Um, you know, we all, we all have looked through our own lens, our own experiences influence how we see things and trying to see, okay, what would somebody else, how would somebody else see this? Mm-hmm. Um, how would somebody who just steps into one of our team meetings, what would they observe? Sure. Uh, and m- maybe even have somebody do that and give you some feedback. And are there certain things you might be doing unintentionally that are impeding creativity and impeding people from doing their, their best work? Right. Great. Well, I think you summed it up pretty well there. I know, yeah, that's always a tough question because I know you could speak on 10 different things there, but um, I appreciate you giving that effort there. And I I knew you could do it. it. (laughs) We have arrived at the finish line today, and hopefully you have enjoyed your serving of scrambled eggs here on localjobnetwork.com radio. I do anticipate all of you are now ready to tackle your creative side. Thanks to our guest today, Amy Clymer, owner of Clymer Consulting. Amy, Thanks again for coming in. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Happy to be here. Uh, and if someone's looking to contact you, um, what would be uh, the best, quickest ways to uh, to find you? The best way would be through my website, which is climberconsulting.com. And climber is spelled C-L-I-M-E-R, consulting.com. All right, great. Thank you. And uh, for all you listeners out there, please send us your comments and ideas for the show to ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. You've been feeding on scrambled eggs. I'm your host, Tim Muma. Talk to you later.